0: And welcome back to the greatest fantasy football podcast you have probably never heard of. Uh, this is fantasy football with Gumbo, and my name is Ja, and I honestly just thank you guys a lot for being here because it means a lot to me. Now, this week I'm not going to be here with my boy Dugo. Dugo's back at home, so shout out to Dugo as he spends time with his family for the big Thanksgiving holiday, uh, but I am here and I want to go ahead and discuss some things that you guys should be thankful for as fantasy football players. This week, I'm going to go ahead and talk about some of the Thursday games that we have on the Thanksgiving slate. Uh, You get your annual Detroit Lions game, performance by Jack Harlow. I have time if you're into that. And they play my hometown team, Dugo's hometown team, the Green Bay Packers, who just lost Aaron Jones, and I don't feel really great about it. Uh, Looking at that game, it's a short week. It's Green Bay, once again, versus Detroit as the first game on Thursday uh, for your Thanksgiving football madness. And it sounds like Aaron Jones might not play, y'all. Uh, Aaron Jones is being reported to have an MCL sprain, and after doing a little bit of research, I saw that MCL sprains, on average, typically, you know, they take a couple of weeks to heal. It's usually about three, so that could explain why the Packers are not putting him on IR. They expect Aaron Jones to likely come back before that, you know, four-week mark. That, you know, if if it's four or more weeks, you put him on IR. But it sounds like this could be three weeks, maybe two. But on a short week, I would bet my house that he's not going to be out there on the field. And that's going to leave things up to A.J. Dillon, backup running back for the Packers. Patrick Taylor might sign on to the squad. Patrick Taylor, if y'all don't know, is a uh, practice squad running back who uh, is probably going to have another performance on Thursday with the Packers. And truthfully, he's probably the closest comp to Aaron Jones. I'm not calling him Aaron Jones but he is elusive, he can catch out of the backfield and he's a little bit faster than AJ Dillon. So, what do I project for these guys? I think Patrick Taylor has a little bit of upside. I'm not I'm not starting him. I think AJ Dillon, he the upside for AJ Dillon is that he sees more receptions. Last week with Aaron Jones, you know, missing a lot of the game, AJ Dillon was 4 for 4 in the receiving game. He ended up you know being like a low end RB2 he ended as RB24 on the season but he did have his highest snap share of the season in week 11 against the LA Chargers with a 72% snap share that might increase this week not going to lie to you so AJ Dillon is somebody that I'm projecting likely has I don't know let's say I think he's good for about 7 to like 10 or 11 points this week I think AJ Dillon should get enough volume and maybe fall into the end zone but my biggest concern against this Detroit Lions team is that they're going to score so many points that the Packers are going to be unable to run the ball and that brings me to the other side that brings me to the other running backs that brings me to Jameer Gibbs running back coming out of Alabama he's the rookie on Detroit that's been lighting the NFL up and Jameer Gibbs was someone that I've said had the potential honestly to be better than B. John Robinson and that was more so because of his elite receiving upside. If you play in a PPR league or a half PPR league, I mean, I don't see how Jameer Gibbs isn't your option out of the two. Not saying Bijan can't 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 catch, but Jod does it at a he does it at a really insanely high level. I'm talking Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey type. Now, over the last four weeks, Jameer Gibbs has scored no less than 18 points, and he's finished no worse than RB seven. Last week, he played with David Montgomery, and I think they finally got what they wanted to get out of this guy. Gibbs is a monster. And going into this game, he's my running back that I would prefer out of all these guys. I think that he has usage in the receiving game, so, you know, regardless of the game script, he's going to be involved. But, you know, he has the potential to fall into the end zone. Fun fact about Jameer Gibbs is that he actually has five touchdowns over the last four games. Five rushing touchdowns. He he gets work done. And as far as David Montgomery, while he still is somewhat of like the volume guy from a pure rushing attack, I think that they're kind of starting to trust the rookie more. He's gone out there every week. He hasn't really made too many mistakes. And while David Montgomery, you know, consistently has gotten 12 carries these last two games and a touchdown, he's good. I just don't think he has the same upside that Jameer Gibbs has. This could lean towards a David Montgomery game if the Packers end up getting down. But my preference between the two is Jameer Gibbs just because I think his upside is way higher. So uh, give me the running back with more upside. I like David Montgomery more than I like A.J. Dillon this week. And those are the running backs in this Detroit and Green Bay Packers matchup. Uh, Moving over to the receivers, I will start with Green Bay's receivers. Two guys that you're probably thinking of when you think of Green Bay receivers are Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. If you're asking me who I prefer between the two, I'm going to go with Romeo Dobbs. He caught five passes last week. He had a big touchdown at the end of the game. He's been relatively consistent. And I think Dobbs actually is uh, one of the NFL leaders in terms of receiving touchdowns with seven touchdowns on the season. His chemistry with Jordan Love has been consistent. It has grown every week. And I think that kind of grows from... Dobbs is always being there, being consistent. He works hard. He's in the right spaces. And, you know, he's become a reliable target for Jordan Love and Christian Watson. I mean, what the fuck is happening with Christian Watson? He was a guy who had a ton of upside last year. He went crazy. There was a Dallas game where my boy scored three touchdowns. Where's that at? I don't think it's anywhere nearby. I think we're going to have to wait on it a little bit more. And I'm actually saying that after Christian Watson scored a touchdown last week, On kind of a fluky play, but he still scored. Uh, This week, I think Watson, I think he's dealing with like a shoulder injury or something like that. So we'll see what happens uh, with practice this week. Hopefully it doesn't linger too much into this Thursday night game. But I do worry a little bit about playing Christian Watson in a short week when he has a shoulder injury. You think about, you know, defensive backs and uh, competing for the ball. It requires a lot of reach. It requires you extending your arms a lot. As a bigger receiver who uses his size to benefit him when it comes to contested catches, uh, you know, and I guess just being bigger than the opponent, uh, extending his catch radius, I do think that the shoulders are underrated part of his game uh, for my over-analysis of the day. But I, I, once again, man, Dobbs over Watson. Luke Musgrave will probably be all right. I don't think he's going to be... Insane. he was also on the injury report with an admin or a abdomen injury I, I heard somewhere that he was in the hospital so i don't know if he's gonna go on ir but with his health and with kind of what's going on they don't really feel like he's gonna play on this short week he was released from the hospital tuesday so tucker craft is actually a name that i'm keeping an eye on if you are in need of a tight end because you lost luke musgrave and you don't have any other options, and there's nothing in the waiver wire, I think you can go out there and get Tucker Craft relatively cheap. He had a big catch, you know, on Sunday, so that'll help his rapport and his trust level with Jordan Love. Tucker Craft is somebody that I think needs to be rostered if you're that desperately relying on Luke Musgrave. Sam Laporta has kind of been on the uh, down and out recently. And down and out for Sam Laporta is actually only five targets in a game, which is not bad last two weeks hasn't been great. He's finished as tight end 16 and tight end 17 in the last two respective, you know, games against the Bears and the Chargers, who were pretty good matchups for tight ends. Those are both dark green matchups. If you guys play Sleeper, Uh, those were two matchups in which he was kind of supposed to eat. Now, if you really look at Sam Laporta's numbers this year, I think because he's because he's a tight end, like his numbers almost get boosted to an extent. Because, like, truth be told, out of the last 10 games that he's played in, he's only scored double digits three times, right? So he's 3 of 10 in terms of scoring double digits. And when he gets double digits, he's never had a 20-point game. But, you know, the weeks in which he scores touchdowns, he's kind of a dog. And his game is very touchdown-dependent. The three weeks in which he scored touchdowns were week 3 against Atlanta. Sam Laporta finished his tight end 1. He caught two touchdowns in week 5. He finished his tight end 3 against the Carolina Panthers, and most recently against the Las Vegas Raiders, he finished his tight end five with one touchdown. So those three games in which he caught touchdowns, he was a top five tight end, but all of the other games in which he's not getting into the end zone, uh, he's kind of finishing outside of that top five. He's closer to like a back end tight end one in most of those weeks. And that's something that you guys kind of have to keep an eye out on. You got to be aware of. And he'll have his weeks in which he gets into the end zone, but the weeks in which he doesn't, it's not it's not overly impressive. I think he kind of gets like a premium put on his performance because he's a rookie, and people are so excited to see a rookie tight end produce. But Sam Laporta's honestly not been like all world. It's, it's the trade deadline for a lot of y'all, and I'm not saying necessarily to trade away Sam Laporta, but looking at his upcoming schedule, while he does have a nice schedule against the Saints, the Chicago Bears, The Broncos and the Vikings and the Cowboys and those matchups on sleeper and in different apps will tell you that these are great tight end matchups. But if I look at a game like against the Broncos, against the Vikings, against the Dallas, that's weeks 15, 16, and 17. Those are three weeks in the playoffs. I think all three of those defenses are on the uptick. I think the Denver Broncos defense and the Denver Broncos team is on the uptick. The Minnesota Vikings have an underrated defense, one of the most underrated defenses in the NFL. They're a top-10 defense easy. And, I mean, Dallas is Dallas, and by the time Week 17 comes around, they're going to be in playoff mode. They're going to be competing for potentially a bye week because they're going to be, you know, that two- or three-seed in the NFC, and that defense is going to be on one. And so you get Micah Parsons versus Sam Laporta in a lot of the game. I you know what I'm saying? Like it could it could slow down. That's all I'm saying. So if Sam Laporta is someone that's on your team and you know you've been enjoying the fruits of his labor, but someone's willing to go ahead and offer you a player who might help you out at another position, I ain't mad at you doing the deal. I ain't mad at you getting Sam Laporta the fuck off your team. And once again, I say that because if he when he scores touchdowns, he's gonna, you know, provide that top five, top six top seven tight end value but if he ain't getting in the end zone he's a low end tight end one which is still good because tight ends are hard to come across but you know if you can go ahead and trade him at the peak of his value or you if you can trade him while you know he still has some hype around him or before people start to realize these things then you can go out there and you can get a good premium for Laporta this week I think he's going to score he might have a good week right he's a primary target for Jared Goff He's been relatively reliable. His floor is five targets, so you know he's going to be targeted. But I think the largest thing that's kind of holding him back is his yards per catch. While for tight end, it's not terrible. He averages about nine yards per catch, which is kind of in the middle, right? Like, you would love to see him be someone like a Travis Kelsey. Uh, Travis Kelsey, even in a year in which he maybe hasn't been performing up to par, uh, he averages, you know, over 10 yards per catch. You could look at a Mark Andrews, who also catches passes down the field. We saw the Thursday night game in which Mark Andrews looks like he might miss the majority, if not the rest of the season. But once again, for reference, Mark Andrews averages over 12 yards per catch. So bringing it back to Sam Laporta, I mean, he gets the targets. They're decent targets. Like, they have a shorter average death, you know, traveled. But I think that he's really touchdown-reliant if you're expecting top-five production. And if you can bill him as a top five tight end right now before that regression hits and you can get a good return on him, maybe you get like a James Conner or somebody like that who can fill another position that's money. And then, you know, let's bring it back to Mark Andrews because he actually suffered a big injury on Thursday night. It looks like it's an ankle and a fibula injury. So two different injuries. It looks like he's likely not going to play at least the rest of the regular season. But speaking of likely as likely, is going to be his replacement in Baltimore. And when it comes to Isaiah Likely, I'm out. I'm out. I think Isaiah Likely had a really great start of his career last season in Baltimore. He was impressive. He caught some passes. He hasn't really looked great in his sophomore season. And I'm trying to identify maybe was he a product of, you know, the Ravens' 2022 offense? Was he a product of, you know, them running, you know, a lot more tighter sets and... They're running the ball downhill, and ultimately Isaiah Likely is getting more play because he's acting as like an inline blocker who can flank out and option out for more routes. Maybe I don't think this offense is as tight end centric as it has been in the past, especially the spread offense. Isaiah Likely in the one game in which Mark Andrews didn't play, which was Week One, if you guys remember, Mark Andrews was out Week One. He missed. He ended up being ruled out like two days before the game. Isaiah Likely had one target and caught one pass for four yards. In the Cincinnati game, where Mark Andrews also missed a large portion of it, he had two targets and no catches. In the two games this season in which Mark Andrews has been absent from this new regime, in the two games in which Mark Andrews has not really played on this offense, Isaiah likely has stepped in, and he has three targets for one catch, and we're talking about maybe, I don't know, six quarters of football. Mark Andrews' role, I think, though he's, you know, He's a dog, and he, like, we know what Mark Andrews does. He really wasn't doing ex- like super crazy shit. Like, he was cool. He was nice. He was a top five tight end. He was kind of par for the course, maybe slightly above that line in which you'd like to see him at. Isaiah likely as a secondary tight end. He's coming into the season. It looks like he's having somewhat of like a sophomore slump. I read here on um, on his profile that he only has nine catches. I think on the season, we're going into week twelve. You would hope that that would increase. You would hope he would see more usage in this offense that likes to pass the ball. I think that Odell showing up, and I think that Zay Flowers emergence in the slot, and I think that Devin Duvernay, you know, being their outside threat, along with Nelson Aguilar, you have Keith Mitchell, who's explosive out the backfield. You can rely on Gus Edwards to carry you know, 15, 20 times a game. I don't think that this offense is going to have to rely on Isaiah Likely all too much. And I think that Zay Flowers being who he is in the slot has hurt the tight end production for the Baltimore Ravens. If you tell me that I can throw it to a receiver who's crazy off the line of scrimmage, he's always in the right spot, he's speedy, pretty good hands, and Mark Andrews is going to be double covered and I can just throw it to my rookie. Hell yeah, I'm going to do that. And obviously, with Mark Andrews being out, you would imagine Zay Flowers is probably going to see a little bit more coverage. If I had to guess, I would assume that Tan Mankin and the offense is just going to delegate more passes to Zay Flowers. And I think that this helps Zay Flowers more than it helps Isaiah Likely. In this week's matchup in Lamar Jackson versus Justin Herbert, a.k.a. the Chargers versus the Ravens, between the two quarterbacks for fantasy, I think I'd start Lamar Jackson over Justin Herbert for this, this week's game. The reason I'm going to say that is because right now Lamar is, I mean, he's the best rusher in the NFL in terms of quarterbacks, maybe even in terms of all overall rushers. But Lamar Jackson is number one in carries amongst quarterbacks. He is number two in red zone carries, meaning that he gets a lot of opportunity in the red zone to score. He's first on rushing yards amongst quarterbacks, and he averages the most rush yards per game. While Justin Herbert is an elite passer, Obviously, he has Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. I think Lamar Jackson's floor is just higher, and I think Lamar Jackson ends this week with a slightly better fantasy score than Justin Herbert. I got both those guys as top 12 options when it comes to quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, you know, I don't think his ankle injury is going to be too much of a concern. If you remember, that was something that kind of came about in that same game in which Mark Andrews got hurt. But, you know, Lamar says that he's ready to go. Most importantly, though, the defenses are who these quarterbacks are going to be playing. They ain't going to be playing each other. And I think that Justin Herbert has the uh, bigger hill to overcome playing the Baltimore Ravens defense. As opposed to Lamar, who plays the Chargers defense. Now, both are going to make big plays. Lamar is a big playmaker. I think the receivers in this game are going to basically kind of keep par with where they've been this season. Zay Flowers for the Ravens is going to continue to do Zay Flowers things. While he's not like a touchdown monster, he's going to go out there and he's going to get his receptions. Zay Flowers is probably going to get a couple more once again because they lack a Mark Andrews who was there between the lines threat. Odell Beckham Jr. I think he also suffered an injury. This game was rough. Uh, the Ravens and Bengals game was rough. OBJ, I think, had a shoulder injury last last week. I don't know if it'll hamper his performance this one, but give me the guy who's fully healthy within that Baltimore receiving room and Zay Flowers. Obviously, I like Zay more than uh, Devin DuVernay, too. When it comes to the Chargers, though, I think Keenan Allen is far and away the best offensive player they got. Fuck the fact that he didn't catch a couple touchdowns against the Packers. The sun got in his eye. What can you do? Oh, yeah, what do you know? Keenan Allen has been doing uh, Keenan Allen shit. Keenan's been on a roll this year. He was someone that I took in the third round of our fantasy our home fantasy football league, 14 team league. Couldn't be happier. Keenan's a high performer. I think that trend continues this week even against a tough Baltimore, even against a tough Baltimore defense. This could be a game in which the Ravens, you know, get ahead. I do think that there's going to be a lot of points scored this week. Keenan Allen regardless of the game situation is going to be involved. He's going to see the most targets he's gonna be all right this week I actually have him I have Keenan Allen as a top 10 wide receiver uh, for week 12 he might even be close to top five when it comes to Austin Eckler someone who I think a lot of people have been concerned about there was a run last week against the Green Bay Packers where Austin Eckler just did not look fast he did not look quick and that was something that got shared on the socials for a little bit and people are starting to say that Austin Eckler might be a little washed I think Austin Eckler proves those people wrong this week I think he has a pretty big week Thanksgiving weekend he's gonna go against a Ravens defense that is you know it's pretty damn good regardless though he is consistently getting his touches he's consistently getting those opportunities in the offense and Justin Herbert and Todd Monken very obviously trust him and with the season kind of getting closer and closer to the playoffs the Chargers are starting to maybe lose a little bit of traction in terms of securing that playoff spot, especially after the loss last week. I think Austin Eckler is going to be a great buy low candidate. Prior to last week, he finished as no worse than a RB six in weeks eight, nine and 10 against Detroit lions, a Detroit lions defense, a New York jets defense and the Chicago bears defense. Three of the last four weeks, Austin Eckler has been a top seven candidate. He hasn't gone nuclear he doesn't have any games in which he scored more than like 20 and a half or 21 points. I do think it's coming. He gets the Ravens this week. Tough matchup. Patriots can't hang. He'll probably get a lot of rushing opportunity in that one. But his schedule clears up in the playoffs. In week 15, he gets the Las Vegas Raiders. Soft matchup. In week 16, he gets the Buffalo Bills defense, which is better than the Raiders, but they kind of suck against the run. And week seventeen, he gets the Denver Broncos, which I'm a little wary of because that defense is getting better, kind of how I mentioned earlier. However, this is a divisional matchup. The Chargers know the Ravens really well. I think Austin Eckler gets his shots there. Don't let me do don't 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 let me forget Gus Edwards, who's also doing pretty damn good. Gus Edwards is a touchdown machine. He had two last week against the Bengals. He's gonna see regression this week. So don't get too high on him. And he is relatively touchdown dependent. He's another guy that's kind of hard to rank. I have him as a high-end RB2 right now, low-end RB1. And the reason I have him lower than some of you guys might is because I don't think that touchdowns are a predictive stat. You kind of fall into the end zone when you get there. And while he does get a lot of red zone opportunity, I can't rely on touchdowns every single week from any player, unless it's Christian McCaffrey. And the games in which Gus Edwards doesn't score... It's gonna to be tough for him to produce that RB2 value, simply because he doesn't see enough targets in the reception game. In the receiving game, he's—I wouldn't say he's non-existent—but they have a Keaton Mitchell and a Justice Hill who handle those downs. And because he's just kind of a pure rusher who relies on those touchdowns to get the majority of his points, he's a high-end RB2 for me rest of season. Bringing it back to other Ravens players, I got Zay Flowers as a low-end wide receiver three. Keenan Allen's a wide receiver one, lock it and load it. Justin Herbert's a top seven, top eight quarterback, even without Mike Williams. They're just going to toss the ball a lot. And Austin Eckler, I got him right outside my top five, four running backs. I think he's a good candidate to finish somewhere between RB5 to RB10. We'll see what those touches look like as the season progresses. This hasn't been his greatest season, and maybe that's somewhat due to Kellen Moore being the new offensive coordinator. Maybe the other guy, you know, focus more time and attention on him. Something we'll have to keep an eye out on. But once again, three of the last four weeks, Austin Eckler has finished as a top seven running back in fantasy. Don't see that changing for too much. All right, for all you Cowboys fans out there, we're going to go ahead and talk about some of your favorite guys right now. Uh, I want to go ahead and dive back into some of these Thursday Thanksgiving games. And I'm going to I'm gonna respectfully, I'm going to start speeding through some of these remaining matchups in the NFL uh, Week 12 slate. C.D. Lamb and Terry McLaurin are the two wide receiver ones for the Cowboys and the Commanders. I have C.D. Lamb having a better game than Terry McLaurin, which should not be a surprise. But I actually also have Dak Prescott outperforming Sam Howell this week. Sam Howell was a guy who has outperformed expectations. He's been a top top ten quarterback, maybe even top five. I believe he's QB four currently, and Dak Prescott has been on a surge. The guy has. The last five weeks for Dak Prescott has, they've been amazing. I think he's been the uh, most productive and one of the highest scoring quarterbacks in fantasy over the last five weeks. So he got a little bit of a slower start than Sam Howell did, but he's performed over this last month and a half. Once again, told y'all, fucking in the summer, C.D. Lamb might be my wide receiver one this year. He's going to see so much volume, and he has seen a lot of volume. He's been hot right now. And I think over the last three games, Ceedee Lamb has over ten catches. He has over, you know, 150 yards. You, you you know what to expect from C.D. Lamb. He's gonna go out there. He's gonna get you your points. I mentioned him in comparison to a Terry McLaurin, and Terry McLaurin's kind of been a lot more disappointing this season. I think he's a wide receiver twenty, so he's in like that, that wide receiver two territory. It's like a low end wide receiver two territory, but it's a it's a boring play. Like, I don't get excited when it comes to Terry McLaurin and putting him in my lineup. It doesn't make me excited. It, it's kind of like a meh. It's like, uh, if he gets a touchdown, that'll be a good game, but I could give a fuck about the Commanders. He's going in my lineup because I don't have a better flex option, right? Like, it's always underwhelming with Terry McLaurin. Even in a Eric Bieniemy offense, it, it just, it's, I don't know what it is. Like, the points show up, but it shows up in just the slowest, most boring way. And that's surprising because Sam Howell's been slinging the rock. Like, he's QB4 on the season. Jahan Dotson ain't eaten. Curtis Samuel's been eaten a lot. However, Terry McLaurin is ranked, once again, higher than all those guys as a wide receiver 20, basically being a wide receiver 2. Yet it just always feels like he underwhelms, and I don't know what it is. Last week, Sam Howell kind of struggled against the Giants. That was a big upset. Tommy DeVito outperformed Sam Howell last week. Sam Howell threw three interceptions against that Giants defense. And this week he gets the Cowboys defense, which is a lot better. Given how well the Cowboys defense has been playing, and given the fact that I think the Cowboys should, like there should be a game in which the Cowboys lead and the Commanders are playing catch-up, Sam Howell could go out there and have a few more interceptions. He might go out there and get you some garbage time points, which you're really hoping for. But if you're Eric Bieniemy, if you're the Washington Commanders, if you're Ron Rivera, why, like, why would you, why would you want to get into a shootout with Dallas when you can just keep the ball out of their hand and run the ra- run the track with uh, Brian Robinson, who, admittedly, he's outperformed my expectations. Dudes looked amazing. He's looked really good. My biggest knock on Brian Robinson was that he couldn't catch the football. At least we didn't see that last year. Well, over the last 2 weeks, the guy's caught more than a dozen passes for 170 plus yards and a touchdown, which has really helped his value. He's shown himself to be a workhorse back and Eric Bieniemy has no issue using him. On the flip side, Antonio Gibson, that, that 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 toe has been lingering with Antonio Gibson for the last few years. And he reportedly is dealing with that toe injury once again. So Brian Robinson should see, he should continue to see a decent amount of work. And I have Brian Robinson over Antonio Gibson, no surprise. But what might not also, I guess, not be a surprise or something else that shouldn't be a surprise is I have Tony Pollard over Brian Robinson this week. Tony Pollard had his bounce back week last Uh, you know, last week he scored his 16 points against the Panthers. He goes into a game in which the commander's defense is not good. Me and Dugo have been telling y'all all all season that them trading away the two defensive linemen and Montez sweat and chase young is going to open up the run game for all these running backs who play them. And Tony Pollard is no exception, even though he's been a bust for the majority of the year. We know that I got the guy having another. You know, pretty good week. Last last, you know, week he did sixty one yards and a touchdown. He caught a few passes, which was nice. And the volume's kind of been hit and miss because of Rico Dowdle. I don't think Rico Dowdle's like a serious candidate to take away Tony Pollard's RB one status on the on the Cowboys. Pollard's gonna go out there and do his thing. You can start him with confidence. It's Thursday night. It's a short week too, which like I mentioned earlier, in short weeks, teams tend to lean on the run game. Because it's just simpler. There's less concepts to install. You don't have to worry about routes and timing as much. Block and run the ball. Julian Edelman had a segment on Colin Cowherd's show, The Herd, where he actually talked about his playing experience and how he and him and the team looked at those Thursday night games. And he just straight up said, yo, we want to get in and get out. We don't give a fuck how pretty it is. We actually hope it's not pretty. We want to win the game by two points, three points, four points. As long as we win the game and we now get a mini-bye week, right? We get off of work on Thursday night, and we ain't got to come back till next Tuesday? Bro, what? I might fly down to Mexico this weekend. The fuck is you talking about? These teams don't give a fuck, man. They want to go in here, grind this game out, win, go see their family, and go treat their family to maybe a nice vacation or some shit, right? Like, it's a a mini-bye, and they're very valued at this point of the season. So the Cowboys with the vet coach and Mike McCarthy – They're going to run the ball. They should get ahead of the commanders. They should have control of this game. But regardless of the game script, Pollard has value because he's, shit, he's a better pass catcher than he is a runner. So we'll see what happens. But I like Pollard over Brian Robinson this week. And I got Pollard as an RB1. Brian Robinson, more of a high-end RB2. Might have somewhat of a down week this week just because of game script, but we'll see. And this Thursday night game, Almost a Sunday night. But the Thursday night game is between the Niners and the Seahawks. Chris McCaffrey, running back for the Niners, is going to have another great game, in my opinion. He's probably, once again, a top two, three option at the position. Runs well. Catches well. Not a ton of competition in the backfield. Barring injury, he should see a vast majority of the touches. And the thing about the Niners is that they get up on opponents and their quarterback is damn efficient at spreading the ball around. So you really can't stack the box against the Niners. You got to play them fair. And Christian McCaffrey, who has vision like I've never seen from a running back before. Christian McCaffrey's vision is the greatest vision I have ever seen in my life from a running back. He identifies holes. He knows who's coming at him from where. And he has the elusiveness, he has the quick-thinking ability, and he has the speed to, you know, get to the right place at the right time and never put himself in a bad predicament. He had a fumble a few weeks ago, and that was so unlike Christian McCaffrey. And ever since, I mean, he's continued to just dominate. This week, once again, Christian McCaffrey is a lock-it-and-loaded RB1, maybe the RB1. But on the flip side, Zach Charbonnet is stepping in for Ken Walker. If you guys don't know, you know, Ken Walker might miss a few games due to injury. We'll kind of get more updates as the week goes on. As a reminder, y'all, I record this shit on Tuesday night, so I know just about as y'all do uh, at the beginning of the week. But Charbonnet does look as if he's going to step in and be the RB1 for that team. And I mean, he is a second-round pick, similar to Kenneth Walker. So... He doesn't have an oblique injury. Charbonnet doesn't have one. And he's likely going to see, I, if I had to guess, I would see maybe a, uh, this is tough actually because P Carroll's tricky with his running backs. Charbonnet moving forward probably sees closer to 15 carries a game. And that's right on par with what he got in week 11 against the Rams. Charbonnet had 15 carries for 47 yards, averaged about three yards a carry. But Charbonnet is actually a really good like receiver. Six for six in the receiving game last week. The week before that, he was four or five. In the last two weeks, Zach Charbonnet has 11 targets and 10 catches as a running back. His upside is there. Now, granted, he went six for six in the receiving game for 22 yards. He had 15 rushes for only 47 rush yards, so he finishes the RB21 on the season, making him like a low-end RB2. I think he's going to finish relatively close to that. I see him as a, like at his peak, I see him as like a mid-range RB2, but I think that he is most likely going to be a flex play for you this week. The San Francisco defensive line ain't none to joke with. He's going to be running against that all day. The San Francisco 49ers offense is one of the best in the NFL. They're going to score points. You would hope Zach Charbonnet sees a fair amount of receptions. With Kenneth Walker out of the mix, though, DJ Dallas and Kenny McIntosh could step up. They could get more work, especially as they're down backs. I like Zach Charbonnet as a low-end RB2. I don't even like him that much. Honestly, I like Zach Charbonnet as likely a high-end RB3. He's a great flex play, but I don't think he's going to perform up to par, you know, to put him in as your RB2, as uh, Kenneth Walker might have been. Receivers! This is going to be a really big game for wide receivers because the wide receivers involved in the Seahawks and Niners game are going to be guys like Ayuk, Devo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and of those four that I just listed, I got Ayuk outperforming every single one of them. He's coming off a huge game last week. He had over 150 yards. He caught a tug. Big week. One of the best weeks we've seen from a San Francisco receiver in a long time. When it comes to, let's say, Ayuk versus Debo, I'm going to say Ayuk. Samuel, he's versatile in that he can obviously take carries out of the backfield, but he just doesn't have the same amount of targets that Brandon Ayuk gets. Brandon Ayuk is the wide receiver one when it comes to the passing attack from san francisco and he's just gonna out target debo more often than not debo's a big body he can make shit happen after the catch he's maybe one of the best that we have in the nfl the seahawks defense ain't they ain't soft like i don't think they're a bad defense whatsoever we actually saw them make a lot of moves towards the trade deadline we saw them bring in a boy uh mafe and other defensive linemen Ayuk just gets those targets and those targets are all valuable I got Iuke, I'll perform outperforming Debo this week. I like Ayuk a lot as low end wide receiver one for you. Debo Samuel should perform I like Debo as a wide receiver two. Between, let's say, I don't know, Tyler Lockett and Iuk, I would still go with Brandon Ayuk, Even though Tyler Lockett is a guy who gets those, you know, deep targets. He gets those down the field shots. I like Ayuk and the volume. Once again, volume is king. Tyler Lockett, he's also coming off a hammy. He's been in practice. I don't think that there's going to be anything that's going to you know, happen as a result of his injury. I do think he plays. Ayuk's just been on a roll this season. He's a top 15 wide receiver easy, and he's the guy that I like the most in this game. But what about DK? Because I've seen on some fantasy sites, people have DK Metcalf as a buy low target. <sighs> that's tough for me to say. And the reason I say it's tough for me is because Geno Smith has significantly regressed this year. Just doesn't look as good as what he did last season. DK is a wide receiver too. He's always been like a perennial wide receiver too for me. He's always been in like that Devontae Smith, Brandon Ayuk, like Mike, like Chris Godwin, Mike Evans talk. Because Mike Evans is typically like a low end wide receiver one, so on DK's best day, right? Like that's kind of what he is. But he's always kind of been that perennial wide receiver too. Ayuk, and I I've said it once and I'll say it again, he is on a Stephon Diggs trajectory. You think about Stephon Diggs and you think about his time in Minnesota. He was the two to Adam Thielen. He got out of Minnesota after showing his talent. He went to a team that prioritized him as the one and it's been up ever since. Stefan Diggs has been a top five wide receiver for fantasy for like the last three, four years. I do think that Ayuk is gonna have the ability uh next offseason to go into free agency, make a decision on his future. And truth be told, I Ayuk, man, he's just so fucking talented. The things that he can do is insane. I know I'm glazing him right now, but he is just so goddamn good. He was a first round pick for a reason. And I think that we really kind of get to see that come to form uh, this year in San Francisco. He's in the fourth year of his four-year rookie deal. Naturally, San Fran, because he's a first-round pick, they have that fifth-year option. But we've seen it before in the past. You know, Ayuk can always create havoc. He can say, hey, give me the fuck out of here. He can always play his cards. But even beyond that, San Fran is paying Ayuk about $2.3 million this year. Actually, maybe a little bit more than that. I think he's like a three point nine cap hit. Next season is going to be a big season for Ayuk. You're going to have to pay him north of fourteen million dollars. So we're talking about a nearly eleven million dollar pay increase on a team that's going to have Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, who's also due for money, Debo Samuel, who's getting closer to the end of his contract he signed a couple years ago, and you're going to be on the precipice of a Brock Purdy contract that you're going to have to you're going to have to pay. Right after year three, you kind of got to pay Purdy. You, you're you not getting three years of paying fucking Purdy 500k a year. That's not happening, bro. So, I bring all that back to say that I like DK as a perennial wide receiver, too. That's kind of how I view Tyler Lockett. Obviously, they both have their pop weeks where they go off and they go crazy. I think DK outperforms Debo, I don't think he outperforms Ayuk. And uh, once again, IUC's my one, DK's my two, Debo's my three. Like it's my four in that order for the receivers and the Niners and Seahawks game. George Kittle, he'll be all right. George Kittle, I think, is uh he he's really starting to kind of prove himself. And I think he also kind of knows that he has a big payday coming up soon. Uh, George Kittle is going to go out there. He's likely going to catch a touchdown on Thanksgiving because who better to do it? Over the last few games, George Kittle has really shown out. He has not scored less than 21 points since week eight. His last three games have been against the Buccaneers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Cincinnati Bengals. He scored 18.9 last week, 21.1 the week before, 21.4 against Cincinnati. Shit, even before Cincinnati, he scored 10.5 against Minnesota, and he had a 26-point game against the Dallas Cowboys in which he had three touchdowns. George Kittle's been on a tear this year quiet is kept. And right now, George Kittle is the tight end three. He's a great value. If you guys had him, if you drafted him, he has not missed any games this year, which has always been the concern with him. And I think we're going to have another big game this week. Heavy on the run game, which is why I like Christian McCaffrey. As I said earlier in the pod, y'all, on short weeks, teams like to run the ball. It's an easier install. It's more so physical than mental. And if you have a great running back like Christian McCaffrey and you're paying him big money, these are the games in which you use them. George Kittle as a tight end. He's going to be on the field a lot, a lot of end line blocking. He's going to get those option routes when Purdy sees something he doesn't like. And the defense is going to start loading the box, and George Kittle is going to be able to go ahead and flank out and you know take advantage of that. I like Kittle this week. This, I mean, I got the Niners winning, obviously, but great game to watch. Happy to watch it Thursday night with the family, and uh, looking forward to a big Christian McCaffrey game, hopefully. All right, and bringing it to the Friday game on Amazon, we have the Miami Dolphins playing the New York Jets, who suck. In this game, I like Raheem Moser over Devin Devon A-Chain. Devon A-Chain's knee scares me. It looks like he re-aggravated it. We don't have an official word as to whether or not he will play on Friday, but don't love that. I think Moser gets a lot of the carries. When it comes to Tyreek Hill, he's going to be Tyreek. I damn near have him as, like, the wide receiver. Even against Sauce Gardner and those DBs, I think that Tyreek has a big week, and I think he has a top five, you know, wide receiver week. You can safely put him in as your wide receiver one. Brees Hall, running back for the Jets. Dog, runs hard, going to get carries, and he's also the most likely person to score touchdowns. If the Jets have any chance of winning, they're going to play good defense. They're going to run the ball well. They're going to limit the Miami Dolphins' exposure on offense and Brees Hall would be a big component of that. like Brees Hall a lot as a low-end RB1. And when it comes to guys like Tyler Conklin on that offense, Alan Lazard, I, like, between the two, give me Conklin, just because Conklin historically over the last few weeks has been the second target uh, in the receiving game after Garrett Wilson. We'll see how that changes with the Tim Boyle, someone who I actually think, I, I think Tim has better ball placement than what Zach Wilson had. And he's a little bit more confident in his decision making because of his, you know, veteranness. He's been around the game longer. He's older than Zach Wilson. So I think even that slight bump in confidence and decision making and in ball placement could really help. Last week was a shit show. I'm not saying Tim Boyle is going to go out there and have a Tommy DeVito type of performance, but I do think this offense rallies a little bit. Alan Lazard's Alan Lazard. He's damn near unstop or unplayable at this moment. Moving forward. I even like when you talk about Jalen Waddle, who's also been kind of disappointed this year, like Tim Boyle, while, you know, he's historically been a backup quarterback. I think he somewhat helps Garrett Wilson and Garrett Wilson can go off there and he can get a fair amount of targets, assuming that he plays. Once again, he had an elbow injury uh, towards the end of that game last week against the Buffalo Bills. But if you're asking me who I'm starting between Garrett Wilson and let's say a Jalen Waddle, I got to go Jalen Waddle. I'm hoping that Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, can get the ball into Waddle's hands. He can get Waddle the ball on, you know, passes five, seven, nine yards down the field, and Waddle can make something happen. Ideally, if Tyreek is taking away, let's say, a Sauce Gardner, and it's Waddle versus, uh, you know, the Jets' DB2, I'm not saying Waddle's going to go out there and explode, but I do think he has an all right week. He's a nice wide receiver 3, wide receiver 2 upside. And because of his just significant, he has a significantly better quarterback in Tua versus what Garrett has in Tim Boyle, uh, slightly am uh, I'm going to slightly lean towards Jalen Waddle over Garrett Wilson just because his offense and his quarterback are miles ahead of what Garrett Wilson has at his disposal. Uh, moving forward onto Sunday, we have the Falcons and we have the Saints. Alvin Kamara, another lock-in start. Potential top five running back this week uh, against the Falcons. I would imagine that if Derek Carr does end up playing this week, sounds like he might be trending towards getting back on the field. Kamara should continue to see those targets. He should continue to see work in the pass game. I like Kamara more than I like Bijan Robinson this week. And that's, once again, kind of more so because of that pass game work. And, you know, Kamara's not like he doesn't get the most rushing attempts. But because he's such a great pass catcher and he gets all those targets, I'm leaning towards that. Robinson, the Falcons are a mess. They look weak. They look like they're breaking down. They look like they're trending in the wrong direction. And I hate having players, especially during a playoff push, on teams that are trending in the wrong direction. If this is a situation in which Arthur Smith and the Falcons are just going to gradually get worse and worse as they decide who to start between Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke, that's not something I really want to bank my laurels on when it comes to the fantasy playoffs. Bijan Robinson is special. He will have better days ahead. But if I'm in a situation in which my team, you know, it's rocky, I don't have too much of a supporting cast, and it's the trade deadline, I hate to say it, but I'm considering trading Bijan for a haul if I can get it. Or just trade me for a guy on a better offense that's going to be more consistent. Because while this team will continue to be a smash mouth offense in the Falcons, and they will continue to run the ball under Arthur Smith, I believe right now they are four and six. So they're a couple games under 500, and that ain't working. The whole run the ball down their throat shit is not working. So something's going to have to change. And I do think that Desmond Ritter is going to start tossing the ball up a little bit more. I like Desmond Ritter in Superflex, or whoever the Falcons starting quarterback is in Superflex because I do think that they're going to change their offensive philosophy slightly and they're going to get more passing volume, which is important. That's important. That matters. If anything, when I look at this Falcons offense, um, Bijan, like he's a low end RB one. He's starting to float towards high end RB two status, which is cool. Like he's going to have a new coach and a new offense next year. So that like, if you, if you have Bijan and dynasty, don't worry, don't fret. I do think that the receivers on the Falcons could see a little bit of an uptick because at like at this point, if Arthur Smith doesn't win this year, man, it's over. Like it's over. I think the Falcons are gonna be forced to be aggressive, right? Like Arthur Smith is in trouble. This is gonna be a whack analogy, but before people drown, they typically get aggressive. They start flapping their arms and they're in the water and they're kicking and you know doing all this shit. I think that that's where the Falcons are metaphorically. They're at a point in which really they should be three and seven. The game against the Packers, the Packers really controlled that game for a large majority of it. They just made some rookie mistakes in the fourth quarter, but this isn't this like this isn't a good offense. And Drake London and Kyle Pitts should see more targets moving forward. Uh, like I'm not saying that they're going to be anything special. I'm not saying that you should go out there and you should buy these guys. But Drake London, I mean, granted he was off the buy. He's wide receiver forty five right now. I think he has some low-end wide receiver three appeal moving forward. If you're a Drake London holder, you got to hope this guy gets a better quarterback. It's not looking like very inspiring. When I look at his game log over the course of this season, his best game is a 19-point effort against the Washington Commanders. But outside of that one game in Week 6 against the Commanders, Drake London has perennially finished underneath The like the wide receiver twenty rankings. He has perennially finished as less than like a low end wide receiver two. His best finish outside of the one game in which he actually you know had a good performance. His second best finish is wide receiver twenty one, and that's in a game in which he scored a touchdown. He's just not the fantasy asset that I I think a lot of people built him up to be, and a lot of that could be due to Arthur Smith. I won't make a final. I guess like usurp on Drake London until we see him with the new quarterback, which well, it needs to happen. But right now, man, it don't, it, it it doesn't look great. Kyle Pitts, tight end 18. He's over here fighting for reps with Janu Smith, and he's losing the battle. Kyle Pitts, I think he sees a little bit of an uptick. He's actually interesting because he's going to be looking for a new contract before Bijan and Drake London. And if you're Kyle Pitts, do you want to stay in Atlanta? Like, fuck if they can give you a bag. This team has underutilized you. You were supposed to be a Hall of Fame tight end talent, and they've turned you into a uh, tight end two on your own team. It's not that you don't have the talent. It's just the scheme doesn't utilize you in the right way. If you're Kyle Pitts, why in the hell do you want to re-sign with his organization that has been nothing but, you know, like nothing but underwhelming for you for three years? Unless you really like Atlanta, then that's different. But it's like, I, I think that's going to be a conversation that's going to happen and it'll be an interesting conversation when it does happen. Uh, But moving forward, I want to go ahead and talk about a really interesting game. If you guys didn't hear the word, uh, the word on the street is that the Pittsburgh Steelers fired offensive coordinator Matt Canada, free Kenny Pickett. The Steelers offense is now free from Matt Canada, who ran maybe the simplest, most elementary offense that we have seen in the NFL. He has never ran a good offense in Pittsburgh that, Offense for the last three years has been bottom of the board. And I think there's a lot of people happy in that city, in that town, and even on that team. So when you look at Pittsburgh, there's some guys who matter. They are rich with fantasy relevant players. Not fantasy relevant because of the offense, but more so because of their talent. We know what they can do if given the opportunity. The first case I have is actually Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, two talented receivers. This week, without Matt Canada, I have no idea what the fuck this offense is going to look like. I have no idea. I'm not going to sit here in front. I'm not going to sit here and fake. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I have no idea what the hell they're going to look like. But what I do know is that Kenny Pickett seems to have a preference to target Deontay Johnson over these past few weeks. And if it's going to be a game in which Kenny Pickett's just willing, he's just throwing the ball where he feels comfortable. And over the past month, he has shown me that he feels most comfortable with Deontay Johnson. If we're moving into a territory of unknown, give me Deontay Johnson over George Pickens in terms of fantasy. He's a vet, buttoned up, knows his routes, reliable hands, possession receiver, Kenny Pickett. (laughs) They were making a joke on the Pat McAfee show that Kenny Pickett, like he only knows how to throw 5.3 yards down the field, which actually might be true. But when it comes to Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, Johnson is much more of that guy who runs the hot routes and the short to intermediate portion of the field. George Pickens is a deep play threat. He's a down the field type of receiver. He has great body control, which allows him to make great contested catches, a lot of highlight plays, but Deontay Johnson's more so the guy who you hit when you want to go for a slant or a curl, maybe even an out route. If I had to guess, I'm going to say Deontay Johnson likely out targets George Pickens moving forward. Kenny Pickett, is he going to be the answer? I have no idea. I have no idea. He he could be gone next year for all I know. Doubt it, but it's possible. Moving forward, I like Deontay Johnson a lot. He's probably my receiver that I would prefer this week. We'll see if George Pickens can, you know, show something much different from what we've seen the last few weeks. Uh, but Pickens, who's been picking it up a little bit. Pickens picking it up. Um, yeah. I like Deontay Johnson as a wide receiver, low-end wide receiver two this week. Pickens naturally has that opportunity or the ability to surpass him, but I like Pickens more so as a high-end wide receiver three. Bengals, on the other hand, have a conundrum. They ain't got Joe Burrow, and that's a big deal. So looking at this offense, they're going to go ahead and start, uh, I I think his name is Trevor Browning, quarterback, backup quarterback to Joe Burrow. And they're going to go out there and trot out Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and they're going to see what they can get from him. T. Higgins, don't know for sure if he's playing. He did not go on IR. He has missed the last two weeks. Granted, last week's game was a short short week. I would hope he's able to kind of get out there this week now that it's, you know, closer to three weeks removed from the injury. T. Higgins has kind of dealt with a lot of leg injuries over the course of the past few years. So it's been interesting to kind of see how he bounces back when he does get on the field. Uh, However, you know, with that hammy, they do tend to linger. I hope he's able to play if he's able to play this week and he can go out there and be a deep play threat. I think Trevor Browning will go out and connect with them at least once. T. Higgins has that deep play upside. Jamar Chase, once again, is that three-level receiver who's elite at all parts of the field. Tyler Boyd's an intermediate threat, but I don't think any Bengal gets a bigger jump, at least this week, than Joe Mixon running back. They're going to have to run the ball plain and simple. There's not really much competition in that backfield, and Joe Mixon's probably going to see more carries more touches jamar chase caught a lucky touchdown last week more so garbage time touchdown but i think that's significant for a guy like browning um jake browning i'm sorry i called him trevor earlier but i think that's significant for a guy like jake browning because he has a level of familiarity with jamar chase he's the uh, receiver who he has thrown his only career touchdown to and if we're just ba- you know just breaking this down a basic human psychology which might feel like a little bit too much, but fuck it, I'm going to do it. I do think that Jamar Chase is going to be Browning's preferred target of choice. And, you know, Jamar is Jamar. Jamar could have gone to the Las Vegas Raiders in that draft in 2020, and I'd still think that he would have been elite, or maybe it was 2021. Uh, But Jamar Chase was an all-world receiver. He blew all the metrics out the water coming into the NFL. He was blessed and lucky enough to go to a Joe Burrow, but don't get it twisted. We thought this guy was going to be a superstar regardless of where he went, and I think that this is the time that he reminds us of that. The Bengals might make a push. I personally don't think they make the playoffs, but once again, I like Joe Mixon more than I like any other player moving forward. Jamar Chase is going to be my second. T. Higgins would probably be my third, just because I think he has more deep field opportunities, which is going to Like, when you get a guy who's a deep-field threat, downfield threat, and you have a quarterback who's confident enough to toss it up to him, that receiver can see a regression in quarterback play like T. Higgins. That receiver can see a regression in targets like T. Higgins might. But if you're getting long 20, 30, 40-plus-yard plays, and that's just who you are and what you do, you have a decent amount of upside because you don't need a lot. You just need one big catch, and boom, there's 10 fucking points on a 40-yard touchdown. You know, boom, there's 6.5 points on a 60 yard catch. You get one or two of those in a game and now you're producing like a high end wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two. Maybe not as high as a lot of people drafted you to perform at, but good enough to be serviceable as a flex. And I do think T Higgins, when he gets back onto the field, he's going to be serviceable as a flex. All right. And then wrapping up this episode with all of the mid games that are kind of left. So starting off with Jags and Texans, C.J. Stroud's a star. He looks great. He gets you, you know, your 250-plus passing yards and a couple touchdowns every game. Uh, I think that's going to be a competitive matchup. Calvin Ridley had a big boom week last week. However, I don't think that's repeated. Mm, The players I like in this game are Devin Singletary because I think they try to, you know, not force their rookie quarterback to have to do too much. And I do like, like Christian Kirk in this game. I think it's a bounce back game for Christian Kirk, and he redeems his title as the wide receiver one. Uh, Bucks and Colts, big Mike Evans game. I think he performs this week against the Colts. Uh, Bucks are four and six, and Colts are five and five. So both these guys are kind of fighting to be relevant. I think the Buccaneers have a better overall roster. Truthfully, I think Baker Mayfield is slightly a little bit better than uh, you know what they have in Indianapolis at quarterback in Gardner Minshew. And I think that they lean on Mike Evans heavy to keep them in the playoff contention because ultimately if you go 4-7, and seven, it's over. Baker Mayfield's time in Tampa Bay is probably, you know, you projected to end soon. And if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm not trying to have that happen. I'm trying to keep this team competitive. I want another contract. I want somebody to see what I can do. And this is just purely, you know, uh, me psychoanalyzing once again. But I think that Baker Mayfield shows up and they're aggressive and I think they ultimately actually win that game against the Colts. Uh, Patriots and Giants, terrible game. Don't really care about it. No one really relevant. I mean, you got Saquon playing the uh, Patriots defense. Saquon's a low end. No, Saquon's more of like a high-end RB2, low-end RB1. Uh, Panthers and Titans, once again, not really a game with too many guys you should care about. It's basically D. Henney against the Panthers. What D. Henney has done this whole season will probably be continued. It will probably um, be another game in which D Henney gets, you know, a bunch of rushing touches. You hope he falls into the end zone, not expecting him to have like a high end RB one week. I think he is going to end as a RB one. I predict Derrick Henry runs for something around, I don't know, 15 carries 75 to 85 yards. Hopefully he gets in the end zone finishes as a nice low end RB one for you. Uh, Rams Cardinals, Kyler Murray has been on a surge and James Conner's kind of been declining. James Conner has not scored a touchdown in the last two weeks since Kyler has returned and since he has returned. And he also only has like one or two catches in the last two weeks, which isn't great. So James Conner's involvement is a little bit worrisome. Marquise Brown's involvement is a little bit worrisome. Ultimately, I do think this is a divisional game. Sean McVay and the Rams are trending towards, you know, staying competitive. The Cardinals are 2-9. and nine, Rams are 4-6. and six. Uh, I like Kyler Murray over Matthew Stafford just because of the rushing upside, The Rams do get Kyron Williams back, which will be great because he is their RB1 when healthy. The Rams went ahead and waved Daryl Henderson, which shows how much faith they have in Kyron Williams and his newfound health. I got Rams winning this game. I think Kyron Williams really helps this offense because Matthew Stafford's just been tossing the ball up a lot, and he's been kind of scraping to get by. Uh, if Cooper Cup is out this week, I like Puka Nakua. I think Puka Nakua is having almost like a second surgeons if Cooper Cup does end up missing time. And fun fact about this, but the Rams actually play better and they win more games when Cooper Cup is not active. Cup's been active for the last month, and I think they've won one out of three. They, were, they had a winning record before Cup came back, and since he's come back, they're like one in three. I think that's something that the team is going to notice, and if I'm being real with you, I'm not saying Cooper Cup's going to get traded, but I think there could be more conversation happening this offseason about what his future looks like, especially if Pukunokua can close out the season strong. The Rams finally have some draft capital back. They're on a young team and you have Cooper Cup who can be useful for a different team and that different team can trade you draft cap and return for Cooper if that were to happen. So once again, not saying a trade is going to happen, but I think we start to hear more of that talk, especially as Cooper Cup struggles to stay healthy. Marquise Brown, once again, struggles. I do have him as the wide receiver one on the Cardinals this week. Marquise is probably nice as like a wide receiver three-ish. If he catches a touchdown or a big play, naturally, that's going to help. We'll see what happens. But Marquise Brown over the last two weeks has not been overly impressive. Shit, the last three weeks combined, he has 10 fantasy points. He had four fantasy points in week nine, three fantasy points in week 10, and two fantasy points in week 11. Like, he, I, I don't even know if he's startable this week. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh moving forward, I got Chiefs, Raiders, big bounce back game for Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey, two touchdown game and coming. Travis Kelsey's my tight end one this week. I think Rasheed Rice bounces back. He gets into the end zone. Pacheco's gonna have a day because they're gonna get up against the Raiders. I think the Raiders do keep it competitive for the first half of the game. Devontae Adams will continue to see his targets, but this is a tough Chiefs defense. And ultimately, I don't know if Devontae Adams is gonna get into the end zone again. Uh, their quarterback Aiden O'Connell just is not great, but they're kind of stuck with them now because they kicked Jimmy G to the side of the road and now they can't go back. So while the Raiders will be competitive, I think, rest of the season, uh, I don't think it's going to be a great day for uh, Devontae. He might see his targets. He might see, you know, five, six, seven catches. That end zone, though, is it's been calling his name, and I don't know if he answers this week. Raiders, Josh Jacobs, he'll get some work early, I'm sure. He'll have another Josh Jacobs type of week. RB1 for me, low-end RB1. Uh, Bills and Eagles is probably the game of the week. So Josh Allen versus Jalen Hurts. If you're asking me, I think Jalen Hurts finishes with the better week this week. And the reason I say that is because he has a better offensive line. He has a better receiving weapons. He rushes just as often as Josh Allen does and scores rushing touchdowns at the same clip, if not a better clip. And, you know, DeAndre Swift is a threat. And DeAndre Swift, let's talk about it. He has been... Magnificent. He's RB seven on the year. Last week against the Chiefs, he scored 18 points. My boy went for three receptions, a Russian touchdown, twelve carries, and thirty-one receiving yards. He's an all around back who gets a ton of touches and he's gonna get more touches in this Buffalo matchup. Buffalo's actually pretty soft against running backs. So this is a this is a smash game for DeAndre Swift. He's gonna be relevant regardless of game script. He has an amazing offensive line. Buffalo is soft against running backs, and ultimately, he, he he should eat. When it comes to the Bills' side of the ball, James Cook is RB13 on the season. He's a borderline RB1. Last couple of weeks, he's been cooking ever since Leonard Fournette got brought into town. We still have yet to see Leonard Fournette really on the field and utilized, but James Cook is doing everything he can to prevent that. Now, he has a hard matchup against the defensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles with guys like Jalen Carter. James Cook out of the backfield could be dangerous. You're hoping that he continues to see receptions coming from Josh Allen. This is a game that I think the Bills get aggressive. They go downfield. They're coming off a big win against the New York Jets defense, which was also great. And they scored a lot of points by going downfield. And I could see them replicating the same thing. They have a bye in week 13. This week 12 matchup against the Eagles is going to be prime time. I believe this is the uh, this is like the afternoon game. So that'll be one to watch. And last but not least, we talked about the Ravens and the Chargers already, but Bears, Vikings, no one gives a fuck. Justin Fields is Justin Fields. He's going to run around, get you some good fantasy points. Great DFS value because the I think the Detroit, or I'm sorry, not Detroit, but I think the Minnesota Vikings uh, game is going to be somewhat competitive. It's going to be him versus Josh Dobbs. I do think Minnesota comes out with the win, but trailing ahead of, you know, ahead on the scoreboard, Justin Fields is utilized as either a passer or a rusher. He gets utilized as a rusher more often than almost anyone else, not named Lamar Jackson. Like, he had 18 rushing attempts last week against the Lions, which is insane 104 yards. And I think that continues. I think that he continues to see a large amount of rushing attempts. And if he's getting 15 plus rushing attempts moving forward, the rest of the season as a quarterback, I love that. I got it. I love that. He finished last week, uh, as QB eight, I think that continues. And on the Minnesota Vikings side, TJ Hawkinson's probably going to have another big week with his uh, new quarterback and Josh Dobbs, Jordan Addison needs to get into the end zone in order for me to feel ultimately confident with him. He's a nice, he's a wide receiver three for me. He's another guy who's kind of fell off a little bit with the QB switch over the last three weeks against the Falcons, the saints and the Broncos. Jordan Addison has about 21 fantasy points in three weeks combined. He's averaging around seven points a game the last three weeks. Uh, He has four catches a game, no touchdowns. Don't know if the chemistry is just not there with Josh Dobbs yet. Hopefully that clears up. But when you start trending towards a month of no touchdowns, limited production, it scares me. And it almost puts you on the list of players that need to go on the bench until I can trust you again. If you're in a crucial matchup, I like Jordan Addison because the Bears defense sucks, but I like him as no more than a flex. So I I'm I'm not saying start him as your wide receiver two, wide receiver one. I think you need more upside there. I think ideally you need at least twelve plus points. Not saying he can't get that for you. I'm just saying it's less likely, especially with what he's shown us under the uh you know, under the utilization of a Josh Dobbs. All that being said, I'm tired of talking. I appreciate you guys for tuning in to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. This was a longer episode, but I really wanted to dive into every matchup to give you guys my thoughts, my opinions, and, you know, just maybe a different way of looking at things across all these different matchups. So it's prime time. It's grind time. I hope you guys make a big playoff push. I want to hear about it. Make sure you tweet us at the Gumbo Pod on Twitter or X if you call it. Uh, But until we meet again, my name is Ja. Next week, I'll be here with Dugo. Wish you guys all the best of luck, happy holidays, and happy fishing. Peace!